This is Coda Radio, Episode 70, for October 7th, 2013. everyone, you're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Ting.com. I'll tell you more about those sponsors as the show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week for 70 weeks in a row is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Woot! Seventy thousand weeks of Coder Radio. That's right, man. That's right. And I would say, out of all of them, this one's the hardest. I think it's going to be the hardest one because um, for like the last four or five days in a row, I've gotten like two hours of sleep tops every mm-hmm. single night. Welcome I'm running on world. coffee alone right now, Mr. Dominic. Coffee alone. But you know, sometimes that produces interesting results. And well, I hope nothing. I hope nothing upsets you today. <clears throat> oh, what? What could possibly? What yeah. could, I might get a little ranty. And you know, uh, also, I feel like it also gives me the opportunity to just sort of preload. So everything's just going to come out in this episode, and then I'm going to publish this episode, and then I'm going to go sleep on the couch for two hours. That's my plan for today. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. Ironically, we're talking about workflows today, and I just exposed uh, part of my workflow, I think. <laughs> Passing out, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we thought... Um, so. A couple of couple of things have happened. So, first of all, the topic of workflows came up uh, between uh, Dominic and I on uh, G Plus. We're like, that would make a good episode topic. And then also, you made some big changes this week. Yes, I'm. Uh, I I don't know how to say this. I I, I mean, I, just, I would just like to thank everybody, my family, my friends. I'm sorry, that's the Academy Awards. Um, yeah, I'm I'm using Linux uh, as my main rig at home. Get out of here! Thank so, you. What past uh, me? What particip- What uh, not 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 reigned this? Uh, what brought this change on? So it was a combination of things. One of which we'll get into the workflow topic about okay. how Win- Windows is a is a it's just not for me in terms of the way they want you to do things. Nice. But also, I uh, introduced a buddy of mine who's going to be doing some dev work with me to Linux, and he's his enthusiasm really. Just kind of gave me a kick in the pants. I'll be curious to hear how you're doing Xcode under Ubuntu. <laughs> so, so that's the catch. That's yeah. the one area where I'm not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know that one. It's like, yeah, I'm use, I use Linux all the time except for when I'm editing video. Yeah. So, there, I mean, I, I wish I could not use Mac because that, that stuff's, uh, I don't know if you've heard, Chris, but it's a little pricey. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit pricey. And it tends to break. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like it requires some sort of affordable care. Um, so let's get into our feedback for this week so last week uh now you know what would have been great is if we would have had a clip but uh, here we were Uh, michael dominic reported that everybody needs to prepare themselves because there is a high likelihood that the obamacare servers could be slammed under terrific load and this was of course uh on the eve before they opened yeah i I just i don't want to gloat but i'm gonna say call it yeah you did totally call it yeah and at least in my area, it's still down. Still have Yes, in New Jersey, it torturously lets you fill out the entire form and then doesn't work. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cruel the way 
currently works. Analysts, or, uh, you had a note here. It says analysts, IT experts, question the architecture of Ob- the Obamacare website. Um, it's full of bugs, apparently. But on top of all that, the government could not even hire a domestic contractor for all of it. I guess uh, they hired a Canadian contractor. <laughs> yeah, and that comes to us from Snake Doc, who who revealed that information. Uh, so what? Right, like, you got to boost the, you know, the whole thing. Obama's hey, man. the American economy, and they hired a Canadian company to do this. It takes nothing against. Sometimes it takes a few good Canadians to get the job done. They could have hired me. So, I, okay, let me ask you this: Are, are maybe, are maybe being a little too critical? Like, how do you launch anything like this? That's like the the responsibility is so massively distributed for it, and. Uh, the demand is so high that millions of people are are going and visiting the site. Like, how do you really, what can you do when security is such a big concern? And, you know, I, like, I, I kind of feel I kind of feel like we all knew this was going to happen because it's the only thing that could happen. So there's a few ways you can approach this. I mean, the stability thing, you know, this is like when games that are online, you know, historically World of Warcraft, right? Sure, yeah. Um. From a profit perspective, it almost never makes sense to keep the capacity for that first week's uptake, right? Because you're going to have all that capacity laying around and you're you're just wasting money. And then you hear stories like, oh, World of Warcraft is shutting down servers! Right. The the problem is this is a mandatory thing uh, for every citizen in the U.S. So I would think there's always going to be some demand, right? Yeah. And more importantly... But if they, it was important enough to make the law, I think it's important enough to pay a little bit for some servers, right? Well, I mean, I completely agree with you there. And if it, if it was a good architecture, you know, they they probably would have, like, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know, maybe some are using the CDN, some aren't, maybe some are using caching, some aren't, you know, who knows, right? Each one could have their own implementation. What, what's concerning me most is uh, this this document that SnakeDoc shared, or I should say article that SnakeDoc shared, is that... The, there's more, or if, if this source is to be believed, then let me, let me get you the name of the author. There's more wrong than just being cheap, right? By Shannon uh, Bagley? 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 On, right. on, so if, on Reuters. If Miss Bagley is to be believed, um, there are concerns in terms of security. Now, whenever you get one of these analyst posts, it's tough to – are there really concerns in terms – you know what I mean? It's, it could just be FUD. Right. But there's – You know, this is what I think is interesting is when I zoom out, I look at this and think, well, this is really number one. This is the first time. But pretty soon. It just to me seems like so many government services are going to be online and they will hit these kinds of problems, too, especially when there's something new that's being rolled out. Uh, See, this one, like if you put the DMV online, you know, or when you take fishing and hunting licenses and you put that online that's not like all of a sudden you're opening up this new market, so there's a massive initial demand. So those don't suffer from the same initial rush. Now, what I think is going to be, honestly, the fact that we're still having troubles today is pretty embarrassing. And if we go later in the week, you know, and if we're here next Monday and we're still having problems, now we're getting to that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, for the federal government not to be able to resolve this is... I guess they'll blame the shutdown, right? They'll blame the Canadian... We didn't oh, have the staff. Uh, we didn't have the yeah. staff. That's what they'll Meanwhile, say. they outsourced the whole project yeah, to a bunch yeah, of Canadians. Yeah. Of course, it's um, uh, So what's concerning me is that this article, you know, the security threat she seems to be talking about is a DDoS attack, which is kind of like the grade school security threat, right? Sure, they take your site offline, but that's it. Hmm. I'm 
would be more concerned with, um, I think, uh, what do you guys call it on TechSnap? The unknown persistent threat, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So someone compromising the box or compromising the platform and actually just monitoring and, and siphoning off data. Right, right. Because this has people's social security numbers, full names, birthdays, addresses, basically everything you need to take out a credit card or a mortgage in someone's name. I mean, this thing's going to have a huge target painted on its back. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Johnny down at the high school DDoSing, it, okay, right, who cares? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to well, piss off our, our what, anonymous friends. I but. think what you're going to have is an ongoing cost. This is, you know, security isn't just something once you build it. It's going to, it's especially on a high, on a high value target. It's, it's an ongoing, oh, right, but I mean, constantly. So they're always going to be paying somebody to fix it up. Well, we keep seeing these attacks with like the low orbit ion cannon, and I'm like, yes, it will be annoying for the government, but it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's. Frankly, that's the the script kitty way of doing things. I guess maybe this is partially the benefit in some regards that it is a dispersed system where different states have different exchanges because maybe that makes it a little more harder to to attack. So I'm starting to question if they really do have how how different it is at an architecture. Yeah, level. I don't know. Yeah, is it all the just- whole thing went down? Are they shit? Is there? You know, it could, it could be different application well, layers for each state, but is it one getting, massive DB? No, I think what's happening is sort of um, a misunderstanding on the reporter's side. So there's there's like, you know, health.gov or whatever, whatever it is, healthcare.gov or whatever it is. That's just a landing page where you put in your zip code or whatever, or you select your state, and then they just forward you to your state's exchange. So that is going down constantly. But like we called it last week, of course that's going to go down. But the so, individual so- state exchanges aren't necessarily down. So the issue that I'm trying to figure out is, you know, obviously this is web applications. You have the application layer and the database layer. Are these state databases also interacting with a larger nationwide I database? I don't, I don't think so, but I have no idea. Because if that's where they, if that, if they were, that would be probably the weakest point. Yeah, right? yeah, that, yeah. That's that a soft spot, or at least a high value spot. <laughs> well, certainly the high value, but also yeah. in terms of DDoS and in terms of. Um, simply running out of resources and crashing right hello everybody <laughs> you just butt so sometimes th- i don't know what this is written in and i i kind of did a view source i was hoping i could glean some stuff from it yeah <laughs> but uh mr I mean, dominic it, uh mr dominic open up please we detected you hacking it, whoops <laughs> not again <laughs> Uh, broadcasting live from federal prison. <laughs> We'd have that little interruption that says that uh, this call is being recorded. Five minutes. That's okay. Me and my buddy Bradley can chill together. That'd be great. Mr. Manning. Mr. Manning himself. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, it's um, what did uh, I forget what um, the new name? Uh, he has it. She is a she now, and I uh, can't remember the name. Was it Patricia? I can't believe I'm blanking. Um, anyway, should we get to um, our next email? Yeah, that was a strange detour. Yeah, uh, so, so yeah, that's weird. We go off on weird tangents sometimes on this show. Well, I, I think we're both afraid to, uh, you know, malign Obama's signature legislation. Chelsea. That's what it was. Chelsea Manning. Uh, so Darcy. Oh, Chelsea Clinton. I like it. Yeah, in fact, there was, there was uh, some people grousing online that perhaps he picked that name just to kind of screw with, with Chelsea uh, Clinton. Uh, so, um, but actually, uh, now that I remember, he's got Chelsea like going back quite a ways, like 
in like diaries and stuff like wasn't that, that his his uh his alias yeah. as part of it you know this is not relevant right so darcy yeah. writes in uh <laughs> i know it's you know what it's it's because of the no sleep in both of us yeah. uh darcy writes in as i've said you might have heard that got a correction regarding vala uh hi i watch and listen to your shows for a while but now i decided to contribute back a bit and correct you on the vala portability issues Vala compiles to C, and the Vala compiler then invokes GCC or whatever C compiler you have. So in short, Vala works wherever C works. As a forward suggestion, I'd like to recommend you have a look at um, Ecre, E-C-E-R-E. It's at E-C-E-R-E dot com, and post your comments about it. It's a project from a friend. Have fun. So some people can check out. So thanks, Darcy. That makes sense. Wow, my, my, uh, my camera shots. Oh, that's right. I remember now. I was uh, messing around for the fo- uh, for the Jupiter signal, and I, I screwed up the uh, camera shot for Coda Radio. Sorry about nice that. Nice job. Nice know. job, Coda Radio. Um, I mean, Jupiter. You Ju- know what I mean. Yeah. No, I don't, but I think I do. Um, so we appreciate that. Now there was some. We got we got a lot of feedback too around the uh, the the patent discussion that we had last week. Did you want to just kind of generalize and sum up some of that stuff? Yeah. So Texas, still your fault. Wow, that's it, really? Um, I mean, that is the no, kind of there, there was. We got a lot of outrage about don't don't malign Texas, and also it's you know we we had the few it's not Texas fault. Um, we also had the get rid of patents altogether. <clears throat> so I mean, I, yeah, software patents probably should go away, right? Like I don't I don't think there's a lot to talk about there. They are a thing that are more or less intrinsically bad, in my opinion. Um, if you recall, a few months ago, I had a little brush in with lovely patent people. I do recall. Yes, and I'm so I'm. Uh, you know, it's okay, Chris. Can we piss some people off? Do it. It's like Tor, right? Oh man. <laughs> yes, okay. you can use it for a good reason, but uh, most people probably aren't, right? I mean, for every small innovator that's using a patent to defend himself from a big company. There's also 20 litigious bullshit patent companies. And we're not even going to go into what the bad things people do with Tor is. Hmm, I'm trying to think if I've ever used Tor. I mean, I've... Okay, so here's an example, I think. I mean, I think maybe you're being a little rough because I get a little weird out sometimes when I'm researching stuff for Unfilter and sometimes I, it crosses my mind to jump onto Tor and do it from there. So, so I'm not saying that no one ever uses Tor or patents for a good thing, right? I'm saying that the likelihood of someone using it for a bad thing is high. Okay. At least 50%. And it's just like, I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong. All right. So where are you going with that? Uh, I'm going with it that the good you would, the damage you would do to good actors by eliminating patents is far outweighed by the good you would do by, you know, getting rid of Lodsys and all those people. Mm. Right. So. Um, I, I firmly believe there are, are a very, very small number of people who are, you know, doing the right thing with patents. But again, very, very small, and probably not software patents, right? Probably right patents, which is really what they're for, and right. where they make sense, right? Right. Again, business process patents also really stupid. Yes, sir. I, I I do completely agree with you. All right. Well, I, I wanna. I'm itching to talk about our workflow. I think this is gonna be an interesting conversation, especially with your switch to Ubuntu. Um, and so, and it's interesting too because uh, I'm making some changes here at Jupiter HQ. So we're gonna talk about that. But first, 
I want to thank our first sponsor this week. And of course, friends, you know who that is. That is Ting.com. I want to tell you about Ting.com. Go to CodaRadio.Ting.com. Ting is my mobile service provider. Been so since about the beginning of the year. And uh, man, am I happy. I tell you, I am absolutely thrilled because my cell coverage or my cell coverage is great. For one, I have WiMAX and LTE in my area. Uh, but my usage varies so much. And uh, I would always in the past end up having a device that I would pay between my wife and I about $120, $130 a month. And maybe one month I'd use half of our minutes and one month I'd use all of them. And it's just kind of dependent on my work, uh, my client situation and things like that. And, it, it, and I think, you know, something that we're all very aware of, but we just don't really know what the solution is, is these companies, the the uh, incumbent telco uh, mobile companies, they are their business model depends on taking advantage of us as customers. It, it depends on selling us a bunch of minutes we may or may not need, forcing us into data plans that we don't necessarily want in order to use the devices we want to use, locking us into these draconian contracts that if you try to cancel, and then when you walk away, you end up getting like this big bag of hate left on your door a couple of months later when you get their final bill in the mail. Just about the time you forget about it, that's when they end up charging <laughs> you that about $300 termination fee or whatever it is. Ting doesn't do any of this. No contracts, no early termination fees, and you only pay for the minutes, the messages, and the megabytes that you use. In fact, if you've got a small business or a family, one of the great things you can do is you can get multiple lines. It's $6 per line, and then you only pay for what you use from a pooled amount of minutes, megabytes, and messages. Ting has an easy-to-use dashboard so you can see where everybody's at. You can set up alerts if you want to. Ting has fantastic customer support. When you call their customer support, a real person answers the phone, and they have active forms. And they have frequent hangouts. You can go to ting.com slash hangouts, or uh, I think it's either hangout or hangouts. They set up a new landing page, so that way if you have any questions when they're doing their calls, you know, maybe you want to see if you can pump them for a little information. They got that over there. It's really cool. And Ting is a very transparent company. They often post information about the company on their blog, which I love a lot. And they also have some great devices, which are contract-free, like the Moto X. Now, Mr. Dominic, what do you think of that Moto X? I haven't received one yet, but it does look pretty. Now, did did you order the white or the black one? I actually ordered the developer edition one, so I think it's white. White, yeah, I I like that. I I, I like that a lot. Ting just recently updated their website, so you can get even a better look at some of the phones that they have there. Their new carousels there. Ting also just recently introduced an early termination relief program, where if you have to cancel your current contract to go use Ting, they'll pay you up to seventy five dollars per line. How awesome is that? All you got to do is you pick your device. You port your number, and then you submit your ETF claim from your previous mobile provider, and Ting will write you up to 75 bucks for each line. For each line. So if you're going to bring a few people over, now's the time to do it. So go to coderadio.ting.com. You'll save $25 off your first device, or you can save $25 off a month's service. You can even click the savings calculator right on that page when you get there to just do the math yourself, and then you're really going to switch, especially when you consider that early termination relief. I mean, Ting is amazing, too, because they bundle in the hotspot, the tethering, the caller ID, three-way calling, voicemail, all of that stuff, their amazing dashboard. All of it's just included, for what, and you just pay for what you use. It is an unbelievable new approach to cell phones, and I want you to go check them out. So go to coderadio.ting.com, take $25 off your first month of service if you bring your own device, or $25 off a device. And then when you pick a device, contract-free. It's your, it's yours. You own it, man. It's yours. It's yours. They got great used devices too, and even a concierge service, which will help find one for you. If they don't have somebody on that page, and you kind of have an idea of what you want specifically, hit up that concierge service. And then when they go out, they'll suss one out for you, one that's Ting compatible, and they'll contact you when they have it. How cool is that? 
coderadio.ting.com. And thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Love, Ting. You know, Ting brings me up. Um, but Chris, I-, I hear we may have recently been pulled down. Oh, I forgot all about that. You're right. Yeah. So I just wanted a little public service announcement. If uh, you generally watch the Coder Radio program on YouTube, last week, 69 was pulled down. And can you guess 69 episodes up on YouTube, every single episode we've ever made, plus a teaser up on YouTube, and 69 is pulled down. Any guesses why? Well, let's see. 69 is a sexual innu- innuendo in itself. Was yeah. that why? Nope. Nope. But we did, you know, I mean, I could, I, I could see that. We sweared a lot in that episode, too. Maybe that was it. You know? What was the Python script that pulled it down called Python underscore Texan? Uh, no, it was Python underscore negative underscore in neg- underscore the underscore freedom. It's a negative in the freedom dimension. <laughs> Wait, they pulled it down for that? No, uh, they pulled uh, it down because of our theme music, the Coda Radio intro. Why? We, the same one like, we've used in all 69 right? episodes. The one that I have a personal license from Ronald Jenkins that is signed, that is an official license that I have provided YouTube. And they pulled it down. So I just want to get this straight. They, so okay, they think we don't have a license to the music. So they, of course, pulled down all sixty-nine episodes. Nope, 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 nope. nope. In fact, they also pulled down BSD Now episode three, I believe it was. So who did you piss off at, at YouTube? It's, I think you know what happens is I'm wondering if the more it happens, the more your account gets flagged. So now, whenever I just turn on a video for revenue sharing, YouTube pulls it immediately and then holds it, and then releases it again, even if it's already been approved once, whereas before they would never do that. I don't know if that's just something they're targeting me. I, I did notice a lot more of my shows are getting flagged now, revenue sharing or not. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly think this is, it's one of those things where it's almost, when, it's, when it becomes one or two a week, it's almost unmanageable for me. because it's, so Let me ask you this, though, right? So I'm sure you got an email from a, a lovely person. No, it's um, an automated... YouTube automated vague email that just says and here's well, what well, okay but at the end of the email there must have been like a give us a ring or email us back no right? no no what you have to do is go fill out a google docs embedded form on some youtube uh, support page is buried so deep they have to deep, deep link you to it um, and then you have to provide proof of of the right to use every element in the show so every time this happens, I have to prove that I have rights to our intro graphics, which I created, the music, which I've provided licensing proof before, the, the visual frame around our chat room, the chat room element itself, the outro Wait, Chris, music, I mean, the credits. You, YouTube is a uh, is Russian, right? They I even mean, they, want they even want proof of the Jupiter Broadcasting intro logo. They want proof that the Jupiter Broadcasting account owns that. And what is so what is so unbelievably mind numbing about this is it's not like I've only been doing this for six months. I have one thousand two hundred and eighty videos on YouTube. You think maybe I know what the hell I'm doing by this point, Chris? You're not taking a global perspective. YouTube is not an American company. They don't. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. They do have the con- wait a minute. You know what? A, so a nice, they're, they're accusing you of a crime. Aren't we need they? a nice non-evil company that really supports the web to buy up YouTube. You know, somebody who wants independent content, somebody that just wants to bring all the world's information together. We need a company like that to buy up YouTube to sort all this stuff out. Yeah. Oh wait, <laughs> Chris, Chris, don't you understand that customer service is expensive? Yeah. And a Python script is a lot cheaper. And and to be clear. 
And Chris, don't you also know that you're not their customer? The big content providers are. But our you- videos have ads on them. So you YouTube makes money off of Jupiter Broadcasting, right? So they we are revenue positive for Google, and they yes, still pull us. Not enough. No, because we're not getting millions and millions or whatever it is. Yeah. I just it, see the problem is is the web is getting screwed. Right, because yep. because you have things getting locked up in app stores that then have draconian whoa, whoa, policies. On, on. You got you got services like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter who now dictate what content is, and it is a far cry from what it was back in my day, Mister Dominic. That's all I'm saying. Well, Grandpa, I I definitely come on. So let, let's devil's advocate this because I I think you're not angry enough yet. Okay, okay. I'm YouTube. I'm Larry Page. Oh, wait. We've already got it. It's not Google's fault in the chat room. We've already got it. It's not Google's fault. <laughs> okay. That was a lot slower than I thought it was. I have supplied Google wait, with wait, docu- wait, The Google Defense Force is standing in their uh, in their ranks there, in line, ready to fire their muskets. The first time it gets flagged, maybe that's Google just bending over and making it easy for the recording and, and uh, movie let industry. Let me ask you this. But if after this I provide MS- them documentation for everything I own, that's ridiculous at that point. Now, if this is MSN video, the chat room would have very different feelings. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Get out there. Now, but playing or if this was advocate, Apple, I'm Larry. If this was Apple and these were iTunes, this would be Apple's fault, right? If we yeah. were getting pulled out of iTunes, this would be Apple's fault. They wouldn't be the Remember recording the, the industry. We were featured on the front page, and then I said something not nice about them, and we weren't. Well, that was Apple's fault. Of course. But this is Google's <laughs> fault. I mean, no, it's, this, it's it is, Google. It, it, it's never their fault, Chris. Ever. It never is. It's Google. Google. Oh, Google didn't mean to screw up Android. It's the carrier's fault. Google didn't mean to destroy the YouTube. It's it's the MPAA's fault. How about Google stops bending over for all these people? How about that? How about that? How about Google takes my documentation and how about Google says, "Oh, well, we have this on file," right? How about that? How about that for an idea? That would be very hard to scan with a Python script. You're right. I mean, I, this is not, our, you know, this is not really development related. It's not our workflow topic, but I just want so to make a PSA. It actually is, though, if you think about it. And I, I, I can make the argument. One of the issues is customer service if you're a developer, particularly an app developer, right? And in my mind, Google is the exact opposite of what you want to be. Um, one nice thing about Apple, for as jerky as they are, you can actually call someone on the phone, right? And you're you're going to be calling relative native to where you are, right? So U.S., you call U.S. overseas. They have overseas office. And I have to say, I mean, I don't know, how Chris, how you like to do things, but especially in business, I prefer to be able to call someone on the phone. Well, especially at this point, now that it's happening to me one or two times right. a week, and I'm totally legit, like, I, you know, I'm very careful about all that kind of stuff. We don't use any unlicensed music or visuals. Um, and so I would very, very, very much like to call somebody up and say, hey, can you please take a look at this? This is getting ridiculous. And the problem is because I have to provide so much documentation, I, I'm not getting to it anymore because it's if it's one video every couple of weeks, man, that's doable. But when it's one or two videos, and so sometimes they don't get pulled. So sometimes people don't realize it's happening. Sometimes they just flag them. But sometimes, for whatever reason, they decide to pull them, depending on the depth right. of the violation, I guess. So I just want to uh, comment on Annie Z's thing in the chat. It, it, content ID was somewhat voluntary, right? But it was part of a negotiation to settle out of court. Google could have at any time said, no, we're going to the mattresses. We're going to court. You must sue us for oh, every... Oh, man, Google's too broke, man. They couldn't afford to do that. Yeah, They're they poor. couldn't afford They're poor, yeah. No, and remember, they care a lot about the web and open standards, except for when it requires them to spend even more money. Then they just settle. Just like they did with Android. Well, then. Um, I'm pretty mad now so, that I think about it. And I, you're right. All, all of my anger 
would really, okay. at least if I could Listen. call somebody and just explain to them what keeps happening to me, I would feel a lot better. If I could just get somebody over there to just look at my problem. Instead, I have to keep interfacing with this horrible form that feels like it was developed in the early 90s back when we used frames. And I mean, it's just horrible. It's horrible. And, and the funny part is Google has recognized the need for human, again, domestic, relative to where you are, customer service. If you buy a Nexus device, you can call them on the phone. Or if you have Google like, Glass and you bitch on G+, that Google Glass isn't working, they'll call you. I have to say, the only company that ever gets in contact with me when I bitch about them on, on here or on Google Plus is uh, Canonical. And it's because Alan Popey gets sad. <laughs> oh, but right. Listen, Chris, Larry Page is busy stealing his friend's girlfriends. Oh, God. Sorry. Oh, um, you know, this will – so Tack brought up a thing. This is going to come up. The reason why we're on YouTube is the same reason we're in iTunes, right? It's, it's, where, it's, where the, it's where the eyeballs are. And the other thing is, is YouTube makes it very shareable. So if somebody likes an episode of Coda Radio, they can send it to a friend super easy. They can send it even to the right time in bed, which is nice. You know, it makes it available on mobile apps. It makes it available in set-top boxes. There's a lot of benefits to YouTube. And you that's why I, I want to keep using YouTube. And I make revenue off of YouTube. Not very much. I'd love to make more because, especially considering the amount of content sure. I have up there, I just want to talk to somebody. But you know what it is to me about Google, to be honest? It's, it's not even their business practices, though I don't necessarily agree with them. It's that they go on the soapbox all the freaking time and say how they're moral and they're not evil and they're not like other companies. Or, they're not or Larry Page comes out and talks about how everybody just needs to be a lot nicer to each other. And to change the world, free ideas, no restrictions. His, his stupid little Burning Man Island idea. Yeah. Uh, and then they do things like this, or they destroy small markets of software because, you know, hey, we can get more revenue on ads. Uh, you know, I could, you know what? I could even tolerate their PR doing that. It's the constant stream of people screaming from the rooftops how wonderful Google is, and Google's going to change their lives. And, and it's the total Google's lack of moral. critical thinking around them. Right. Like, it right. just switches off. It just, people, Google has pushed all of the right buttons to just turn all that off in people's minds. And, I mean, and, it's, and it's not – I mean like – and then, and then the way that works in their mind is, well, we're just not seeing it correctly. We're not thinking about it correctly. And it's yeah, – we're just we're – just, we're, we're thinking outmoded, right? We're living in the past. That's the thing. You're, if you don't agree with what Google's doing, you are you – know, you're not hip. You're not with the modern way of doing things. And it's just – it's very frustrating. I've never heard of a company other than Apple, and even the Apple fanboys aren't that bad because they're not super aggressive with it, get so – Freaking wacky mm-hmm. about a company as though it was a religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's. I've read a book, and basically what it states is that human beings uh, take part of their who they identify themselves and they attach it to brands. Well, that brand represents what I believe and how I think and what my values are. So therefore, I support them. And then when somebody else comes along and then sort of tarnishes that brand, people internalize that because well, I base my like of that brand on their values, and so if you're attacking their values, you're attacking my values. So then people get all crazy about it. Oh, well, we should, we should yeah. I mean, that makes sense. We should move on, though, because okay. I, I can't, you know, we're going to get tons of emails. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, yeah. so we, we need to talk about workflow, um, but we should probably do one more sponsor break. That way we'll just, we'll just go right to the end of the show. What do you say? That's right. Google Checkout, our newest sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Integrate Google Checkout into your, uh, your application or your project Actually, today. No, it's, uh, it's Yahoo.com. 
the new, <laughs> check out our new logo. It's the only thing we've done since Mar- – no, I, I kid. I kid. Join Marissa Meyer in federal prison on trial for treason. No, our sponsor is better than all of those things. It is GoDaddy.com with their $1.99 deal. Coder $1.99 when you check out. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Now, here's here's a reason why you as maybe a developer or somebody that works in a small business or a group or in an enterprise – you might want to check out GoDaddy because of the great deals. You might want to check out GoDaddy because of the email, because of maybe their CDN system that might make your exchange stay up. Just a tip there. No, they also have fantastic group Ooh. collaboration. What? Ooh. Oh, the burn? I know. Ooh. You know, sometimes I get a little saucy. It's it's the coffee with the no sleep, I'm telling you. I kind of feel like I'm kicking it up a notch like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Pow! Man, Coder 199 no, when you check out. You're, you're kicking it up like Danica Patrick. Ouch, man, now look at you just flinging. You're flinging now. Actually, right. if you think about it, I'm kind of in, in the perfect position. I got Danica on one side and Jean-Claude on the other, and I'm the meat. I don't know exactly what that means now that I think about it, but let's just back I think away. you're going to be re-recording this ad. <laughs> let's focus on 199. Let's focus on that. Coder 199 when you check out over at GoDaddy.com. You can also click the banner in our show notes. That pre-charges your shopping session with the 199 additional years just a $9.99 or additional dot coms a $9.99 when you use Coder199. GoDaddy's great collaboration tools make it a slam dunk if you're in a group and GoDaddy's fantastic prices make it a slam dunk when you're an individual. Plus, you can grab their mobile app and buy on the go. Just don't don't forget to use our code, Coder199. So thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. Thanks to you guys for supporting our sponsors by using those codes, letting them know that you appreciate them supporting the Coder Radio Program. That keeps us on there. That keeps us going. That right there, my friends, is the circle of podcasting life, and it is a beautiful thing, and GoDaddy has been an essential part of that for a long time. So we really appreciate GoDaddy sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. We appreciate you guys supporting them. Use the code CODER199 when you check out, and thanks to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. Yeah, I kind of pulled it up there at the end. You see? No, that was good. So I, I, I just have one, one more thing. Okay. Just, uh, I've been studying for the last year or two a lot about the Microsoft antitrust trial. Oh, really? Like just for like good old time reading or what? I want to get it, right? And I don't want to get it in like a, a cursory sense uh-huh. of this is why they were evil bitches. I want to get it in the sense of – What were well, they actually did, doing? What were they actually doing and how did this happen, right? Like did – did the Justice Department on its own be like, hey, that's kind of jerk off you. Let's, uh, let's no, I go. don't think so. Wasn't let's it OEMs that were like, come on. It was OEMs and actually Mozilla. It was, so it was special interests that pushed the Justice Department, which is the way it works, right? The Justice Department doesn't. Yeah, do but Mozilla kind of back then was so tiny. Tiny, but had very rich investors. Oh. Yes. Um, but that's not even my point. You know, some of the things Microsoft was accused of that they probably did, right? Price fixing, lowering the price on software to, quote, snuff competitors out, Mm -hmm. which is, by the way, antitrust kids. You know, so when they lowered the price to, let's say, $200 a unit, that was price fixing. When Google made everything free, that wasn't. Oh, man. Oh, man. Man, See where I'm going with this? Poor Google. (laughs) Um, Now, I know Eric Holder is busy trying to legalize marijuana and... Well, actually, he's not busy. He's off today still. So yeah, no, <laughs> they're having you know this shutdown. Yeah. It's probably pretty nice because they're gonna they're gonna get paid. Of course, they're gonna get back pay. Yeah. So Eric, Mister Holder, my buddy, please don't indict me. Um, when you're chilling poolside with Barack, I, I just feel like that's what you're doing. We haven't seen a good antitrust trial in a while, and frankly, software pricing, price fixing. So it, it was bad when it was 200 a unit, but when it went down to zero, it was okay. 
Um, you are you suggesting that they should go after Google for a uh, I, so so there's a there's a legal term that I'm learning from uh, actually I'm reading Microsoft Rebooted and I just I'll have to, I'll bring it in the next show um, forgot the other title but one for during the trial called dumping Chris do you know what dumping is well you've mentioned it recently it's where you yeah. sort of uh, like dump your product onto the market to drive the price way way down right so you exactly so it's dumping if you take a hundred dollar piece of software and charge fifty for it. Now, if you take a several thousand dollar piece of software and charge zero for it, but claim, oh, we're monetizing via ads, that that's not price dumping. Hmm, I don't know. Um, but they didn't I, dump hardware, right? And that's where I think the difference is. They dumped software. So it is. Well, Microsoft was accused of that. They remember Microsoft didn't no, get convicted. Good point. Good they, point. Good they, point. They, they, they settled. Right. They were never convicted, so it was never tried. It was tried, but they didn't get the jury. They settled. Why, first of all, it doesn't matter if it's software or hardware. If, if, Chris, if you want a coffee shop, and we're getting way off the rails, but I'm pissed. So if I own Mike's Coffee Shop, and you own some crappy Linux-using coffee shop, and uh, you know, you're know you selling your, your overpaid, crappy British orange and purple coffee for $2 a cup, right? Yeah, sure. Yes, yes, you're selling Ubuntu coffee. And I'm like, I have a lot of money. Chris is poor. But Chris, I'm going to sell coffee for 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 a penny a cup, and Chris is eventually going to go out of business, and uh, and, right. and then I'll raise the price. Right. Uh, that's a crime. But they're not going to raise the price. Exactly. But the crime isn't raising the price later. The crime is selling below cost with the intent of snuffing out competitors. So your argument is, if this was enough to get Microsoft in trouble. Well, they also bundled in the Internet Explorer browser and, you know, all that. Which was the weakest part of the case, right? You, That's the part that got the most attention, actually, though. Right. But if you if you think about it objectively, they could just unbundle it, right? They didn't really affect competitors that much. I mean, yes, Mozilla was pissed, but the whole – it's easy to quantify the lost business with free, with this kind of free, not, not like Richard Stallman free, but um, – you know, price free. No cost. Free as in beer or software. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand. The like I, I'm not arguing that Microsoft should not have been brought to court and questioned. I'm arguing that the stack of evidence against Google seems a hell of a lot higher. And that maybe they're not guilty. I'm not saying they're guilty. I'm saying where's the inquiry? Maybe maybe right? one will come. Maybe they should negotiate. And yes, they did have some chat with the they, they had a brief inquiry but not about the price of their software. So the other thing nope. though, the other thing that the other thing that that Microsoft trial did is it ended up getting Microsoft much 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 more involved at the lobbying level, right? And that was sort of the long-term effect yeah. on the companies they're now involved in the political system. This is something that Eric Schmidt um was hip to when he came to Google. So he started that process a long time ago. Now one of now that Eric Schmidt's no longer running the show, one of his stated primary goals is interfacing with the federal government. I would imagine that means orchestrating lobbyists. And Google does contribute quite a bit to lobbying. So maybe that's why they don't get – maybe because they're proactively engaged in the political system, they sort of fend those types of things off. And I wouldn't blame them for that. I, I sure as hell would if I could. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do what they need to do to protect themselves. I'm not even saying they're guilty, right? I'm saying that there are certainly enough to start a real formal inquiry on the effects Google – Google services have had on the prices of software and what the potential effects they could have had on small software developers, small business. 
That's all I'm saying is an inquiry, what, not a can, conviction. One more tangent. What do you think about the fact that Google is now introducing ads into the official Android Gmail app? Sort of maybe like one of their probably most used apps, and uh, they're going to have ads in it. Do you think I, that's... I, I, I don't care about that sort of thing. You don't think that green lights like just opens the floodgates? All right, now everyone just put ads in. Well, I think that's... I mean... Again, I don't want to hit this hard because I know we talk about some Google's thing is for you not to charge for your software, right? They want right. you to put ads. All right, all right. So let's talk yeah. about workflows because I th- I feel like we're torturing people here. We're torturing people. Yeah, um, we're, we're the Google fans are getting very upset. I know, and and the thing is, it's, it's very hard because we talk past each other. Like you can see in the chat room right now, like you're not you're not getting through to them. They're not getting through to us because yeah. we're we're not even necessarily talking about the same kind of things really it almost seems like so it's well i will i will say that if if you're not on the business side if you're not running in a small independent business these kind of things probably don't affect you right you're just thinking i'm getting the value of the software and they're getting data and the problem is a small business can't build the infrastructure to do that and 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 if you're just if you're just a user you don't build anything you don't you don't own a small business you might think well the best value for me is that asop is free or the best value for me is that they're doing this this is good for me because i don't have a lot of spare change uh, and I totally understand that, but it is it is a it is a larger global market dynamics that get that get shifted when these things happen, and then you know it has trickle down effects. So, Ooh, so is, is is any of this involved with your switch to Ubuntu, or has that been completely unrelated? No, you just happened to to spark me with the Google stuff. Now I was in a good mood this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Well, you know. So you said you mentioned you were switching a friend, and they were like blown away by by it. No, so, yeah, a buddy of mine is actually uh, coming to work with me uh, starting in January, and you know, I've, I the decision. I, I guess I could say I decided, but the decision really kind of got made naturally that uh, Fingertip is going to be a Unix only shop. Whoa, for the most part. Well, except for Azure, still, <laughs> which is going away for <gasps> oh. I believe I called it. I believe I said in two or three episodes, it'd be, <laughs> I think I totally called that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, it's – so one other thing is they uh, – all right. I, well, okay. We'll have, let's just take a brief detour on why Azure is going away. Uh, they've stopped handing out free money to my clients, and some of them are getting the real bills. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Got a little expensive, so, huh? When I sounded crazy saying, this might cost you a lot of money – um. Yeah, that was that was when they were getting a good deal. Hmm. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So I, now you're thinking Unix only because what you're thinking? Not really any point in developing apps for the Windows desktop. Still a lot of people over there. A lot of users on that Windows platform and the Windows Mobile could be ripe for the picking. What you you wait? When I'm, you, okay, I'm just playing devil's advocate, trying to see. Yeah, what you when, say. You, when you say Windows Desktop, do you mean like Metro? I guess Metro is that what you're talking about? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're supposed to write apps for anymore. So I don't think there are a lot of people there. In fact, they're merging the APIs um, supposedly. Hmm. Well, all right. So uh, so if you're going to be a Unix shop, that probably made you, meant you. Now tell me about this part about switching the user over to Ubuntu and his reaction to it, because that's part I'm interested in. So that was interesting because, um, you know, I had bought a workstation for him that was, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dell and Apple hardware, right? Uh, so I had bought a, a nice Dell desktop for him. Oh, shut up, Chris. Well, oh, no, it's just nice and Dell desktop. That's all. I'm just like, oh. wow, you're, just, <laughs> you're unbelievable today. I, 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 I know. <laughs> 
Like my little my little microphone arm is falling down right now. Oh man, I didn't mean to make your 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 arm limp. I'm sorry about that. Oh, uh, it, it's uh, very funny. Do you need a minute to, to f with it? I can mute you for for a few no, seconds I, if you want to. I think I got it. I think I got it. Good. good oh work no, over I, there. it's nope. Oh, nope. Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so there's a few little things, right? And some of the reasons are flimsy for putting him on Linux. One was uh, when he he didn't like Windows 8 much. Uh, he's actually in the chat too. He's talking about his Zubuntu, and more importantly, Windows line endings were becoming a pain in the ass because mm. uh, it makes it look like if you don't know in Git, it'll make it look like you rewrote the entire file, which is not good. So there was that. There was the fact that we also, you know, a few people are running Linux around in the office, and he was just getting curious. Like, what's that? That looks pretty. Linux curious. I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, kind of just, just loaded him with some Zubuntu. And uh, I get a... Interesting you went Zubuntu. That's interesting. Well, another uh, another guy in my office is a, is a Zubuntu guy. Of course. Yeah, it's standardized. Always, it always goes... Well, yeah, I know. There's always like, oh, don't use Unity. This is one of the things that drives me crazy is before people so get a chance to use it, there's always somebody in the, in the peanut gallery says, don't use Unity. That sucks. You don't want to use that. I'm like, oh, just give it a shot. So I'm running Unity at home, but... What was really entertaining was that when he, uh, you know, so he was running Zubuntu for a day or two, and I think it was the very day of, the very evening of, he wanted to know about installing a VM on his home system hmm. to run Ubuntu or Zubuntu. That's positive. That's positive. Yeah. So why does that? Why did that involve you switching? Just to, so everybody's kind of doing the same. No, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, he switched earlier in the week. I switched last night because I. I the office i'm running a mac mini i'm running mac still and it was weird as i saw you know the rest of them running linux there i'm getting like oh gee that's nice mm-hmm. <laughs> i get a little jealous not gonna lie getting a little you know a little jelly i mean xfce is not really my drug of choice but uh you know and last night i was like all right let's partition this drive which i did incorrectly you really did delete your windows partition i screwed it up yeah <laughs> I may have clicked enter a little too fast. Well, you know, it's okay. That happens. Uh, but what was funny is, you know, so I, I expected problems, right? Like I expected things not to work kind mm. of like they used to. And I'm, I mean, within 20 minutes, I had most PPAs I needed added in. I was apt getting my way to glory. Nice. I had installed the proprietary driver for my my ridiculous NVIDIA card in this machine. Good. And I'm broadcasting from that machine right now on Ubuntu. Good. I had the Rode Podcaster was actually automatically detected, which I was shocked. It works good, doesn't it? Yeah. The sound quality is actually better than it was these last two weeks on Windows on the same hardware. Yeah. And how bad is that, at least from my my end? Yeah. Um, You know, I pseudo apt get, well, I PPA'd Sublime. Basically, it was easy. The only thing is, I, I don't really have an email client I like. Yeah, well, it's either like it's like Thunderbird Evolution or well, yeah, Gary, hey, Gary. I like Gary. Gary's missing some stuff and, yeah. and some things in the UI. I'm not a fan of. They just did a new update, though. Uh, I know, I got it. It uh, it's 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 serviceable, but I I don't know. I may end up either contributing or doing something else. I mean, yeah, it's pretty far from what I want, but I know I'm picky. My advice, so I, if you can, is just make Thunderbird work for you. It's so far over the years has been my the one I always end up going back to. 
Uh, we'll see what I end up doing. But I mean, I have my hip chat on here. I have my. By the way, Skype on Linux is a lot better than Skype on Windows. It's just more minimal, you know. It's right. just it's, it's not it's not all this extra crap. You don't have the ads. I mean, it's much nicer. It's the only thing. Ads. The only thing that was a pain in the ass was Dropbox, uh, and even then, it took me ten minutes just to Google it, or I'm sorry, DuckDuckGo it, and uh, change my config files because I guess it runs out of permission eventually. Oh. I just installed it last. So what I did last night is I downloaded the deb from the Dropbox website, and then when you I run s- it, I PPA'd it. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So you don't have to because the Dropbox client actually goes out and downloads its own binary updates, so it'll go out. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think it's because I PPA'd it. I had to manually change the setting to allow it to monitor the system. I guess it runs out of attempts or something. Huh. Yeah. I uh, so last night I so I, I'm running on Ubuntu this week for the review of thirteen ten on Sunday's Linux Action Show. So I'm running Ubuntu all week. And so I loaded Crazy up, bleeding edge guy. I know. And I loaded up Dropbox and um, I was trying to move some stuff around. Oh, 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 I was trying to add the Dropbox folder to the side link bar of places in, in the file manager. And uh, instead of putting a bookmark in my sidebar, it moved it into the folder. I was trying to put it next to my music folder. And so then it moved my Dropbox fo- folder, which Whoops. because Dropbox was syncing, it then cr- it immediately created a new replacement folder that was empty, and then it wiped out the contents on all of my computers. <laughs> Whoops! So then, of course, I moved the folder back, but now all of the timestamps on all on the files are good, but all of the folders now have last night's timestamp. <laughs> Not good. It's just I hate it when that kind of crap happens. Uh, so, so do you find that uh, there's things innate about Linux that make your workflow more efficient, or what is it? Oh so, yeah, this is, a, and this is getting more to the dev side, so people can stop writing their hate mail now. Uh, it, it's not Linux specific, right? I don't, I don't want to hit that that hard. It's Unix specific, and and this might just be a preference thing. I've gotten really used to the command line and Bash in particular. Uh, and digging through GUI menus for stuff is more challenging to me than I would like to admit. Especially in Visual Studio, things like that. Um, so during my my Windows period, when I was really trying to get into it, I was using all of the Microsoft way of doing things. Right? I was even using a GUI Git client for a while, um, and it was kind of terrible. The one that ties in with Explorer? Uh, no, I was using Source Tree, and it's it, not that the stuff didn't work. It was just, you know, I feel like when you learn a Unix command, and then you learn another one. Here's a great example. I like Sublime Text, right? Yeah. So I will sometimes do, you know, LSTAC-A, pipe sublime, mm. or pipe SBL, as happens mm-hmm. to mine. Mm-hmm. And just because I want it in a document so I can just quickly search yeah. through it yep. easily. Yeah. I do stuff like that with pipe all the time. Sometimes I'll even pipe multiple scripts to each other. Now, can you do that on the Mac? Could you pipe it to like a sublime GUI application? Yeah, you can pipe okay. on the Mac. It's a little harder to set it up. But yeah, yeah I mean, okay. Mac has the whole Unix underpinnings. Yeah, that's why I'm wondering because it seems like that particular aspect of it's sort of the same. Right, That's and that's why it's... Um, smooth for me. Okay. The one, the one thing the Mac is missing is actually AptKit. Yeah, that's, right. That's Debian and Ubuntu specific. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, now I'm using Homebrew on Mac to make it suck less, but it's still not. It's same. not the same. It's it's not as yeah. well integrated for one. Um, and you know, and this is why uh, not to be that guy, but that's why I switched to Arch because if you like that, now imagine never having to get a PPA ever, right? Then that's Arch. So it's weird. I trust the Ubuntu repo more than I think I would trust Arch. Yeah, that could. That, I mean, you know, I could see that, especially if you want like stuff that's been sort of in a quote unquote snapshotted. So it's right. we snapshot at these versions. We, we'll do security updates, but it's going to be this major version. 
for the length of this release. Then that's, you know, and that sort of provides a certain, which I think is probably better in a production environment. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, the only, the only thing that was surprisingly annoying was apparently Oracle and Linux had a pissing match. Um, probably. Getting, I mean, they always getting, do. yeah, getting Oracle Java actually required oh. me to go out and get stuff and, 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 and do some, uh, again, it took 10 minutes, right? It wasn't bad, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was surprised that sudo apt get Java. There was no way to do Oracle Java. What I what I find, uh, you know, specifically is I have I have um, I, I have found that with the tools that I use, like you, I use command line programs or GUI programs, both available on either Chrome, Handbrake. Right. I mean, these are things I'm using every single day. They're available on all of the platforms. It does for me come down to the popping that terminal up and having. My mount is just one NFS command away. My, uh, you know, whatever I need is just one command away. And I have, uh, which you might like too, Gwake, where you just, I just tap my tilde key and a terminal slides down on my screen. I do what I need to do. I tap the tilde key, the terminal slides up again and it's persistent. So it's really easy. Like I can be in any program and I can jump into a terminal with one tap of one key, do what I need to do in the terminal, tap that tilde key again, and I'm right back into my main application. So it's super smooth. And there's some extensions to do that under under uh, KDE and GNOME too. You can it's not just you don't have to use just Quake, but I, I thought maybe you might try out Elementary OS to be honest with you because it's got. Um, so I looked at it, um, and I came very close to it. It's very Mac like. Yeah, it's if you yeah, it's like the workflow transition is like almost one to one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the way I use Mac, Ubuntu is pretty close, right? I mean, what is it when? Yeah, it's Meta to get up the uh, the searchier the dash, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was doing with Spotlight. The other thing is, I, I since Ubuntu is the most common, um, yeah, I have yeah. other reasons to be yeah. running it. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Mm. See, this is why I'm mad they're screwing the pooch. So, one thing I, I guess we, I can spoil a little bit. Um, still not interested in the Ubuntu Software Center. Yeah, no, it's and it's no better in 13.10. No yeah. better. So, I mean, I, I opened it up to kind of see what was going on there, and I'm like, nope. What's interesting, too, is now it's no longer just bad in UI and performance and layout and functionality. It is also now bad in software selection. Like, they are missing some of the best things on the de- on Linux desktop today they do not have in the software center. Like, Conky. Like, yeah. tons and tons and tons of Linux users love to have Conky because it gives them embedded real-time, you know, stats and calendars and stuff like that in their wallpaper. It's beautiful, and it there's it is plentiful for Ubuntu, and they don't have it. There's lots of little things like that that they just don't have in the software center. The handbrake. They don't have handbrake in the software center. Who the hell doesn't have handbrake in their software center? Handbrake's the greatest encoding tool on any platform, and they don't have it in their software center. What kind of ridiculousness is that? I actually took the software center off the launch bar. Like, I'm that, like, I don't care. Yeah. Right? I'm- no, uh, just download Debs. Get, use, uh, go get GitDebI. GitDebI is a fantastic command line and graphical installer. will automatically resolve all dependencies for the Deb. Right. And it, it may, you just right-click on the deb, open with git deb i, and you're good to go. Well, well to, to be honest, like if I'm buying you know, uh, another developer's you know, uh, Ubuntu app, why can't I just go to his website and buy the deb? Why do I, you know what I mean? Like, nothing stops me. So here's the great thing about Linux is it's the great equalizer in the sense that – so when you were using the Mac workflow – you could buy a MacBook Air, which is a great piece of hardware, and it, you could use Mac OS. You could even put Linux on there if you wanted to. That's, right. what, that's what Linus does, right? Linus Torvalds does that. Right, he's running Linux on a Mac, yeah. MacBook Air. So the, but the thing is, is you don't have to either. Like with the great thing is Linux, you can get that same UI, that same workflow, the command line, the decent GUI interface on any piece of hardware you want. And I think to me, as a business owner, like 
Sometimes I can afford the three three thousand dollar workhorse. Sometimes exactly. I need I need a nine hundred dollar workhorse. Especially like if I was gonna, I started thinking about like if I was gonna hire somebody to do some editing for me, I'd much prefer to be able to go out and buy like a System seventy six where you can have to go buy a, a Mac Pro, right? Where so this is kind of a, a maiden voyage for me. I mean, well, not really. I mean, I've it's hard to act like a new Linux user because I, I used it for a long time. I mean, a, a lot of the stuff where to be like, oh, you, you know, you can create aliases. Yes, I do. Like a lot, of, and also even coming from Mac, it's a lot of it's the same, but. Ultimately, I may just switch over to System76 for most of my rigs and just have one Mac build machine. That's what I'd like to get to. And that would lower – I did some rough uh, napkin math last night. That would lower my hardware budget a year by several thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. And I would get more raw power on the computers. Yeah. And yeah. you're also not tied to a single vendor. Um, you, could choose, you could choose different hardware if you want to and you could choose different software if you wanted to. Exactly. So uh, bringing this back to my workflow. So for me, like, you know, obviously because of the shows I do, like I'm always using Linux, but I have found one of the one of the nice things when you have sort of like I have a free NAS file server. So I have one of the things that's really super improved my workflow in my day to day uh, job is having central storage and then having all of these front end Unix boxes, Linux boxes just do NFS mounts back to that. So I have essentially a network-wide file system that's in the same mount point on all of my same computers. So I can write scripts against that. And so everything uses the same path, right? Everything can point to the same files because it's it's all in the same spot on every computer. And that makes it even, I mean, that is so nice. I can just pick up and I can start working on any computer and all of the files are available. And, and where I can't do that, I supplement it with BitTorrent Sync. And I don't know if you've looked into BitTorrent Sync or at all, but it's essentially... What Dropbox gives you without going to a cloud server, so it's just peer-to-peer, and you can just keep it on your LAN if you want to. So I don't, I don't even sync out over the internet, right? I just sync, but I have, I have BitTorrent Sync running on an Ubuntu server that stores it on my FreeNAS NFS mount, and then I have BitTorrent Sync running on every computer in my network, and they all just sync amongst each other. And then I, I don't need Dropbox. I do still use Dropbox for like uh, my notes and some other things. But all of the production content now for the shows, which can be huge files, right? I mean, like just the intro video graphics for this for this show is you know 125 mega uh, yeah megabytes, not gigabytes, megabytes. And you know I don't need that sitting in a Dropbox folder taking up an indefinite amount of space that I have to pay lease that I have to pay rent on for something that I could just have syncing across my home network. So I've been I've been using centralized storage with with centralized syncing, and it has made it and then with the, it has kind of made me a little more OS agnostic, and it's also kind of made it more workstation agnostic because I can kind of get the same stuff done now on every computer, which is really great for the like you know maybe one day this machine takes a dump and so I need to switch over to another computer. I'm not out right where that used to be in the past right. where I if one if one machine died my entire workflow is completely interrupted and I can't get anything done until that machine's fixed. And I had to fix that problem. So there, there, there's a more, again, bringing it back to a little more developer side of it is that, can I be flamey? Can I do it? Do it. I feel like Unix is better. <laughs> like, at least in concept, right? Where it's little tools, it's kind of like the app model, small tools built to do one thing extremely well. Purpose built, yeah. Right. Not this giant monolithic GUI application that's going to, you know, make you some tea, but also do your taxes. Right. Yeah. And, and but as long as these purpose-built tools can be chained together very well, you can. Right. You know, you, it's very easy to create something more sophisticated from them. It also means individual parts of your system can progress and improve. 
a little more modularly, I guess, but it's, yet they still maintain compatibility because it's, I guess, you know, we're just so many years into this now. Like I've never had like something quit working on the, on the lower end of things, but you're right. I love that. I love being able to chain all that stuff together. Nothing really like that on the Windows side, unless you install Sigwin. <laughs> well, and that's, that, that was really what pushed me over the edge. I actually ended up installing Sigwin and I was like being a PowerShell ninja. And it got to the point where I'm, I'm just trying to replicate Unix, like, Especially with Sigmund, right? You are emulating Unix. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I was like, why am I doing this? You know, when I can easily just VM Winnie on a, on a Mac for for Azure, which I do anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm now a Linux hippie. I like it. I mean, this is uh, this is good, man. This is good. We'll see how long it lasts. But I, I think it's are you gonna try loading on the? So you're gonna keep the mini OS 10 for mini Xcode is OS stuff because you gotta yeah, still do yeah. Xcode stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's also been another shift, and, and let's, I mean, do we have time for a big show today or yeah, no? We can do a big okay. show, we can do a big show. So I ended up uh, in a conversation with a client recently where, you know, he, he, they're another dev shop, and they were kind of trying to figure out what they're doing in terms of their software stack. Um, like, they, they, they're using some legacy stuff. And I was, you know, we were talking, and this guy's like, yeah, what about GitHub, man? He's like, I know you wrote an app for GitHub. He's like, you know... He's basically pitching GitHub to me for them, which is very strange. And then I realized, why am I not using GitHub for everything? So I calculated, because I'm using Bitbucket because it's uh, free. I calculated what I was paying for Bitbucket and then for a separate issue tracker because I don't like the one that comes in Bitbucket Mm. and then a few other services. I was paying more than I would pay for a GitHub uh, corporate account. I thought Bitbucket also had a few deployment options that you preferred. GitHub has more. Okay. Well, yeah. I would assume, yeah. So, for instance, Azure will actually go into GitHub and do a, and deploy from there, as will Heroku. I believe Heroku will. Heroku! Heroku! Again, I haven't done much Heroku recently. What's the process like of moving from Bitbucket to GitHub? So that's the thing. You don't need to move, right? I mean, Bitbucket's free. Right. So just future projects are going in GitHub. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. And I'm already in this weird space where I have some closed source stuff on Like, I have a paid GitHub account already. And a lot, most of my open source is also on GitHub. So it's kind of like I'm living in this split world for no apparent reason. Um, yeah, I, I kind of know. I yeah. feel you there. I feel like I live in a split world some days. And Well, and also the issue tracker on GitHub is amazing. Yeah. But the point of this whole rant about Git is that, you know, Chris, I, the single most important tool in my tool chain, tool chain is probably Git. Yeah. It's not just source control, right? It's it's deployment now, right? It's bug tracking. It's bug tracking. Sometimes it's how I install things. If you're doing gems, you can actually do it like that. It, no, it's I almost it, it's kind of incredible, and it just works better on Unix. Oh, so this is interesting, right? I mean, this is legitimate. It's, this is going to be a fundamental shift as a lot of more quote unquote cloud services come along, web based applications come along, yeah. things like this. They do make it more possible to just sort of move to a different platform that does things a little bit better. And when you, if you, if you, if you, if you buy into the fact that more and more stuff—I'm not saying everything—but more and more stuff is going to go this way, you really see where Microsoft and the traditional desktop could be in trouble. Because this is—you've just been enabled here to, to just say, ah, "I don't need to even bother with Windows." Well, I feel like there's still a software gap on on Linux, even Ubuntu, right? There, right now, I'm using a few pieces of software that I find as acceptable solutions until I find something better, right? So yeah, yeah. it's there, there's definitely a yeah, there's you know some more polished applications. 
Um, I, I think there's definitely a need and, and hopefully a, a desire for that on these systems. I feel like I feel like the the big projects right now are really beginning to work on their polish, like GNOME and, and supposedly Canonical. So, so the thing that frightens me is all this stuff with Mir, and um, that that's kind of this, still a little bit of a hesitation going on, like the little voice in the back of my head. All this infighting about different stacks and Mir, and I, I know recently on last you guys talked about how Intel forced one of its open source developers to pull down a patch mm-hmm. or reject, yeah, something reject like that. a patch, yeah, yeah. Back for no reason. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't want to. They didn't want to support uh, Canonical's efforts with Mir. Yeah, right. That that worries me. That level of fragmentation isn't good. Yeah, I. It worries me too. Um, um, that's why I, one of the you know, but then again, it's it, it. See, it's you're kind of thinking of it in a little more of traditional software terms because you can have one element of the of the Linux community completely blow its it just implode and the system itself continues on because it is in so many other forms and it's available in so many other ways. So it is a setback, but the overall progress continues to march on. You see what I'm saying? Like as an arch user, I'm going to be, whatever happens with canonical, I'm going to be totally unaffected by it. Right. Or as a fedora user, you, somebody would be completely, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you still have sort of a golden parachute there if they completely blow it. But, um, I think I think the jury's out. We'll see where it goes. I, I think it's going to be good, and I just want to address something in the chat about the status.github.com from Natch. As someone who 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 uh, distributes and sells a relatively popular GitHub application for Mac, I am I get plenty of emails every time GitHub goes down. Yeah, a lot of hate mail when when that happens. They assume so, it's you. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, right? I would. But, I am right and, now. And to, be, and to be, see how you are. <laughs> To be fair, everything goes down, right? And, and the point of Git is that you shouldn't be relying on that central server, right? It's distributed source control. It's not SVN. If you're using SVN, please consider Git. So they, they've had, in the last month, according to my email inbox, they've had a number of outages. Um, thing is, since I'm not you know, religiously pushing every commit, every time I make a commit when I'm working in GitHub, I, I don't notice, right? Generally, I'll push a feature or a series of commits that make sense because that's kind of kind of the uh, way you would do it. So, where where now, where are you off to now? Like now that you've got the Ubuntu rig set up, are you uh, are you actually developing an application for Ubuntu? Are you developing something that maybe you can tell us about? Um, a little hint. A little something. Well. <laughs> I would be willing to say that um, I am certainly eager to fill some of the gaps in my tool chain on Ubuntu. That would be great. I mean, I'm going to be straight up. I'm going to be straight up honest. The the apps on the Mac t- tend to be of a higher quality. And if we brought something, and this is totally possible on the Linux side, we just need somebody to sit down and commit to something and just keep working on it and making it better and better and better. Like, it is unbelievable to me. Unbelievable believable to me that in 2013 i cannot take a picture from my file manager and drag it into my pigeon window and have it show up in my wife's chat program it is unbelievable i cannot fathom it it it, and the the mac has been doing it since they launched iChat, like back in 2004 it is and i know it sounds stupid but it is just an example of how a lot of desktop apps on linux get to a point and then they just stagnate 
and they don't add so, features. They don't get any better. They maybe change the UI. They maybe switch over to GTK3 or whatever the hell it is. But the basic fundamental things that just make a system nice to use sometimes never get added. However, I feel like maybe that's going to change. I feel like we're starting to see changes there. So I'm not suggesting I'm doing some kind of photo management or photo uh, tracking app. But that's sort of the thing I'm looking at, right? Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I obviously don't have kids, so the photo thing doesn't Oh, gets me all fired up, gets me all fired up. Right. But I feel like there is a opportunity for software to be developed for these systems that would be commercially viable, um, that would fill gaps and be useful, right? And if I'm wrong, I'm going to cry. So the other side of this is I'm I'm in this place where, you know, right now I'm using it but still doing what I do for other stuff. I'm still not sure about the whole distribution thing because, <laughs> you know, how do you handle .deb, .rpm? Do you just make different packages? I mean, that's really not that hard. Um, yeah. But then again, I mean, how many? I mean, that's a pain in the ass, right? I mean. There's uh, you check out the OpenSUSE build service. There's a service up there that you just kind of throw it up there, and they'll build out the different packages for a bunch of different distros. I saw that, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm also looking at tool chains. I mean, obviously, I've talked about one tool chain in particular quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good old, good old QT or or QDPI, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, I I feel like the fact that it's in a straight C is a barrier for entry. <laughs> um, so there's there's you know, it's it's almost the freedom that you can basically do whatever you want is kind of crippling in a way. Yeah. Um, because it's just like when I was, uh, you know, porting Code Journal to Linux. There's Mono, there's Java, there's Qt, there's um, there's the Python GTK thing, there's Vala. It almost seems like you got to be. So for me, it, like I've always found, like it's just you spend a ton of time, sort of coming to you know the best solution and it it's like one of these things where you can eventually find you'll 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 whittle it all down to okay this is the path i need to take but it takes a long time yeah it does and and what i think is going to happen because i was doing some of this last night and this morning and i just came to the same place i mean okay some things have changed right mono is definitely out um because but i learned that one through pain um java swing is probably not an appropriate solution for anything so but there's still a, a whole universe, literally, of, of options there. Especially since I'm not going to be terribly concerned with appeasing any one vendor, right? Any one, um, how do you say, distributor. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, it's strange. I mean, to be honest, if there was a good Objective-C toolchain, I'd probably just use that. But uh, there's not. Well, yeah, well, yeah that, would, that would probably work pretty well for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, what what I really want is what Objective C is. I want C with object orientation, right? Or small talk, but um. I feel like I feel like I haven't heard anything from you that tells me there's a lot of benefit to you switching to Linux over using the Mac. Then, unless it's specifically for building something, because if you've got the Unix toolset on the Mac and you've got Xcode on the Mac and the applications like the email that you want on the Mac. What's going to keep you on Linux? So part of it is just interest, right? I've liked Linux for a long time. Um, part of it is just business. Macs are very expensive. Yeah, there is that. And it's also, uh, it is enjoyable when you sit down and use the system you are excited to use. Like it makes you, I don't want to say more productive, but it makes you more likely to sit there and get some work done because, you know, you're enjoying the experience. 
Well, there's also a side of there are a few things I, you know, the though I'm probably not going to edit the interface much. The fact that I can makes me a little happier. Yeah, yeah. You should get uh, download. I think it's in the software center. You have to find that again. Called Unity Tweak, which lets you tweak a few things like size right. of the icons and transparencies and stuff like that. It, one tool chain that's pretty Linux specific um, is Vala, and I'm somewhat interested in that. But the problem mm. is, it's of course uh, seems to be Linux only. I know somebody corrected me last week on that, but I'm not sure how that works. Um, I mean, I get that it compiles into C, which then compiles into uh, binary. I I just don't uh, I don't know what the tool chain is, right? And, and that's the problem. So. I'd love to. I'd love to do an episode in the future on Vala. I think that'd be really. I mean, I've written some Vala, but I've only ever written it specifically for Linux. So I don't know if, okay. how portable it is. And Vala is a nice language. Vala is very. Maybe some you know, folks it, could send in their experience with that. Yeah, Radio at JupiterBroadcasting dot because I've been I've been really curious about Vala myself. Uh, what was it? Something something interesting just came out recently that was all written in Vala. I can't remember what it is now. Uh, but something I really like the hell out of. Oh, I know okay. Elementary OS uses the crap out of Vala. Well, apparently there's a Vala IDE now. Oh, right. um, I'll Google that right now. Do you know? Do you remember what it was called? Uh, Vala IDE. Well, that's a good name. That's a uh, yeah. here it is. Here it is on the wiki. Well, let's see here. Uh, Vala tools. Yeah, I'd have to. It doesn't. It doesn't look like they have any screenshots. They yeah, also. That, that. You can also use Genie of uh, Oh Vala IDE. There's a link to it. Mono develop Vala toys for Gedit. That's cool. Um, NetBeans and and or there's also a plugin for TextMate. Let's see here. Vala in yeah. yeah. Vala IDE in Launchpad. So they've got uh What do you just have to download a blind? They don't have any screenshots? Yeah, I've not seen any screenshots, exactly. But I was looking they might have a PBA for it for you, so that's something. So anyone who's ever used um who's ever used the Vala IDE, let me know because I, I feel like that's the one thing that the Linux desktop space is really missing. Yeah. Some sort I mean, yes. Qt is awesome, right? But yep. Qt's also in C plus plus, and you got Mono Develop. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, this is all just just talk for now. This is all kind of speculation, you know, consideration right. things you're mulling over. Could be an interesting 2014 for you, Mister Dominic. It could be, or I could go broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you won't go broke as long as you're buying cheaper hardware. Maybe you'll make up for it in loss of sales. Sure. With cheaper hardware. <laughs> yeah. my, my good buddy, my good buddy uh, Zane is telling me that uh, Vala has a Sublime Text plugin. So I'm pretty much sold. Yeah. <laughs> Done. And that, that was easy. So um, I feel like the workflow topic, I feel like we just scratched the surface this week. I feel like we did, yeah. We, we ended up getting upset and you know how that yeah. goes. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and the workflow is changing too, right? Because um, both it's of a- us are making a transition uh, right now. I am... Uh, I have switched over all of the encoding for Jupyter Broadcasting, except for um, one or two things on occasion, to Linux. And it's been really great because of the command line interface. I've just scripted. I just broke down and wrote a bash script, and it's awesome. Uh, And so I'm moving all that stuff over. And it's like, I might get down to maybe one Mac, maybe two. One for the Wirecast machine and one for the Final Cut machine. And then the rest of all post-production will be done under Linux. And that's going to be really cool. there's, uh, There's been some recent tools that I've gotten my hands on that have made that a little easier, too. So that's nice. Um, so I'm, I just covered one of them actually yesterday in the Linux action show. Um, I think it's good times. I think it's a slowly but surely thing. I, I don't think 2013 is the year I dropped the Mac. I'm not even sure if 2014 will be, but I'd be surprised if in 2015 we don't have it all. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It all depends on the editing. Maybe I'll just quit doing video. 
hey, that'll solve your problem. It would. It would. Yeah. It also would make the post-production time for these shows about 15 minutes instead of two hours. <laughs> so that would be really something. <laughs> the networks that only do MP3s and then they take days to release their shows, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know what the hell they're doing because it takes they're- me 15 minutes. <laughs> Well, obviously they're they're not working, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe they need to improve their workflow. Yes. Well, Mr. And maybe Donnelly, we'll have to do. Maybe we'll have to revisit this because we really did get off the track. But well, the workflow is a big topic, um, and you know, one of the things that I have found when you when you decide to talk about the workflow, it's it's almost best to think of it in like you're training somebody and walking them through how how to do something. So that way, uh, otherwise, it's just what I do, right? It's not, I don't think of it as a workflow. I just think of what I use, what tools I what use I to get my job done. But uh, we covered a few of them. I think. Uh, I think we now. Did you want to recommend that book that you've been reading? Yeah, Microsoft Rebooted. It's pretty cool. Microsoft Rebooted. All right. Well, I'll put a link to Microsoft Rebooted in the uh, show notes. This is sort of like a a look back at uh, what happened and sort of where they've gone from there, kind of a thing. I like. Uh, it. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, 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 hit Control Alt Delete. How Bill Gates it, and what's it say? How Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer reinvented their company. Exactly. Interesting at this point in time. That's an interesting perspective. All right. Well, we got lots of things you can give us con- uh, feedback on. So hit that contact link and choose Coder Radio or email us, CoderRadio at JupiterBroadcasting.com. Mr. Dominic, where should people find you throughout the week? They should find me at DominicM.com and Dumanuco at Twitter. That's easy enough. We'll have links to those things in the show notes. Now join us, won't you, on Mondays live over jblive.tv at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, or you can download the show Monday afternoons over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Don't forget, if you love the show, give us a rating or a plug. Whoa, there goes the mic. Wherever throw you an uh, iPhone. <laughs> throw an iPhone. Wherever you watch the show, we always appreciate it. And also you can participate in our subreddit at coderadio.reddit.com. All right, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coder Radio. See you right back here next week.